Hello, Duck fans. Good morning. My name is Jordan Long, your host, and this is episode 17 of Locked on Ducks, your source for daily info, updates, and analysis on your Oregon Ducks football and basketball. We got a good show for you today. We're going to be talking more Justin Herbert on the football segment and some changes to the coaching staff. And we're also going to be previewing a little bit of men's basketball coming up in the Pac-12 tournament. And we're going to talk a little coronavirus update, but you can always find the show on Twitter at LockedOnDucks, and you can always send in questions and comments using the hashtags AskLodPod, that's hashtag AskLodPod, and like I said, you can find me on Twitter at TheDustOffGuy. Speaking of hashtags AskLodPod, at AukduKlarus posted a tweet from Jake Morley. Uh, Jake is a staff writer for... 24-7 sports, and one of the beat writers, I guess, for the Green Bay Packers. And if you remember, Aukdu Klarus is uh, the Twitter handle for Kevin McCormick, friend and guest on the pod, uh, and the producer of world-renowned sports on YouTube, so go ahead and check him out. But Jake Morley uh, poses this question on Twitter, what if Joe Burrow played for Oregon and Justin Herbert had played for LSU? How would it affect them as prospects, he asks, and would Burrow be the clear number one pick? Would Herbert? So looking around a little bit, uh, Mike Tannenbaum, he's a, a host on ESP, ESPN's Get Up. He's, a, he's, he's their front of the office guru, so to speak. He's a former NFL executive. He was the Jets GM from 2006 to 2012, and the Dolphins executive vice president of football operations from 2014 to 2018. And Mike said on it, on his show, he said, at the end of the day, if we had traded Joe Burrow and put him in the Oregon offense and took Justin Herbert and put him at LSU with those weapons, that would be, what would that conversation look like? And so I thought that was a great question. And uh, both uh, the tweet that Aukdu Klarus put on hashtags AskLodPod and this quote from Mike Tannenbaum uh, prompt this really interesting discussion and assessment of Joe Burrow versus Justin Herbert. There's also a $5,000 charity bet between uh, McShay and Kuiper on SportsCenter on who gets drafted higher, whether it's Justin, uh, Justin Herbert or Jordan Love. For me, it's a clear-cut case that Justin Herbert is not only the better quarterback, but the better prospect. And... During the NFL Combine, uh, an AFC executive was quoted, and you know how the, the Combine is, where an NFL insider says, and then a, a football executive say this. Well, an AFC ex- executive was quoted as saying, uh, regarding the question was about whether Oregon was holding Herbert down. And the a- AFC exec said, now they don't, quote, they, now they don't give him any help schematically. It was a, a S-word offense to watch. That's where our coaching staff comes in. He asks the question, is it him or is it them? He's got all the physical tools. He's big, he's fast, he's athletic, and he's got a big effing cannon arm. So there's a quote from an AFC executive uh, from the Combine. 
And Bleacher Report's Matt Miller first reported, was the one who first reported that Cincinnati Bengals will be picking Burrow first overall. But since then, as we talked about on this podcast, the interest in Burrow has waned a little bit. Not just because of some comments by Burrow that prompted the Eli Manning holdout discussion, which Burrow has since tried to put to bed, but Bengals offensive coordinator Brian Callahan will be attending Oregon's Pro Day on Thursday. And don't worry, we're going to have a lot to talk about regarding uh, the Pro Day and what comes of that. There's uh, Clemson's Pro Days going on. We'll be updating the draft talk as as this goes along. But anyway, uh, and the Bengals also coached Justin Herbert during the Senior Bowl and got to know him intimately. In fact, one of the reasons they said that they did not interview Justin during the combine was because they had so much exposure to him and got to know him at the senior bowl and during practice week where as we've talked about on this podcast he was named a practice week MVP and the senior bowl MVP ultimately I think I come down on it's them rather than it's him and by that I mean that it's the Oregon Ducks that are limiting Justin Herbert's potential in this particular comparison and that's not necessarily a, a knock on the Ducks. They, they can't help it that they are in the conference that they're in or that they don't garner the national attention that LSU does. And we're definitely on the rise as a national powerhouse of a team. And we've talked on this podcast a number of times about how Oregon's coming into its own and is a national brand and deserves to be in the conversation with the top five or six schools in the nation when it comes to football. And I think that's an upward trend that's going to continue. But in the particular case of Joe Burrow versus Justin Herbert, LSU just has some of the best weapons in the country. Justin Jefferson is a first-round pick. His draft stock skyrocketed after the combine and he was just a phenomenal player. He's he's a first-round talent. Jamar Chase, another LSU receiver who played with Joe Burrow, is expected to be the top receiver in the 2021 NFL Draft. They have two tight ends in this draft. Thaddeus Moss is a third or fourth best tight end in, in, in the class by positional rankings. And even uh, running back Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is going to go on day two. So Joe Burrow happens to be surrounded by NFL quality talent. And, you know, whether it's whether it's scheme or how long he played as a quarterback versus what, but just you have those kinds of ball catchers, you have those kinds of pass catchers, and it's going to allow Joe Burrow to put up the numbers that he did. And to be, to be honest, Oregon has had less than stellar talent. Now, Juwan Johnson... Uh, yeah, he's in the NFL draft, but with as deep as this wide receiver class is, he could go undrafted. Johnny Johnson is outstanding. I think he's going to have a breakout junior year, I'm, or he had a breakout junior year, and I think he's going to do amazing things next year, so I'm really looking forward to that. And as far as tight ends, Jacob Breland was injured and has yet to determine his draft stock. Uh, he'll be doing that, uh, he said, on the pro day, so this Thursday we'll be following up on that as well. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about some coaching changes and a couple of prospects who visited the school over the weekend. Welcome back to Locked on Ducks. My name is Jordan Long, your host. We just got done answering the question, if Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert had switched places, would they switch draft stock as well? And I certainly am convinced that if 
Justin Herbert had come up the way Joe Burrow did and played for LSU, that he would be the top overall prospect in the draft. And given their natural talent, I think that Joe Burrow might not even have as high a draft stock as Justin Herbert actually does. So Oregon Ducks wide receiver coach has mutually parted ways with Coach Cristobal. That was the message that was put out. Uh, Javon Booknight. It came out over the weekend that he accepted a job for the Kentucky uh, football program working for Coach Mark Stoops. And I guess when Coach Cristobal got word that he was accepting this job, they decided to cut ties right away instead of finishing out any part of the season that Booknight had planned on doing. Uh, this was before the start of Saturday's practice when Coach met with the media to discuss it. You know, he talked a bit about Coach's recruiting style. Um, so so Booknight, I wouldn't say it's a failed recruiting job, but in his tenure here, which began last February, he only had brought on one prospect, Chris Huston, and he actually is blamed for losing star out Johnny Wilson to... Arizona State University. Booknight was hired last February from Utah State, actually, when Michael Johnson left to join the staff at Mississippi State. So it's there's been some high turnover lately. Uh, I would like to see whoever replaces Booknight stick around for a while. We have talked about how part of being one of the best schools in the country is that you're going to lose some of your talented positional coaches to other schools as they look to not only improve their resume here at, resume here at Oregon, but go on to uh, improve their uh, stature and, and uh, title. Now, we've talk, we could talk about a lot of possible names. There are some names being floated around. Uh, Cody Burns, he's currently the co-offensive coordinator at Auburn. Uh, you, we, as we know, the Ducks had a chance to see them up close and personal at the beginning of the year last year. He, um, or last season, excuse me, uh, he's also the receivers coach. One thing about Cody is he's an elite recruiter and has a lot of connections in that regard. And as long as we're on the subject of recruiting, it's a good time to remind us that um, Coach Cristobal's recruiting style doesn't leave a lot of gaps in this regard. So what I mean by that is with the loss of Booknight and any recruiting holes that might left to be filled, well, Coach Cristobal does a, a recruitment by community and nobody gets onto the team without meeting with Coach. So really, when you think about these positional coaches bringing talent with them or taking talent with them when they leave, I think that's much less of a concern for Coach Cristobal and the way he runs recruiting. Another name that's been floated around is Kirby Moore. Uh, he's actually Kellen Moore's uh, brother. He Kellen Moore, of course, is the offensive coordinator for the Dallas Cowboys. And Kirby Moore currently works at Fresno State as um, a wide receivers coach. And the rumors that he's just as good as his brother Kellen. He does have ties to defensive coordinator Andy Avalos through their time at Boise together. Uh, he also has some ties in the Pac-12. If recruiting, you know, along the West Coast is is to be considered, he, you know, coached at UW. He also coached at Cal. And another name I want to mention of interest is Jimmy Darty. And 
the one reason I find him interesting is he he works for Chip Kelly down at uh, UCLA as their wide receivers coach. He does have ties throughout the conference at UW back when they were good. He was their wide receivers coach and responsible for, or sorry, he coached uh, UW back when they were good, kind of that mid to late 2000s when they had recruited some good receivers. So that would be a, a nice, nice thing to look at there. He also worked for Jim Harbaugh at Michigan. And, you know, I, I just wanted to throw out a couple names uh, there. Of course, lot the, the, the process is highly complex and involved and coach Cristobal is going to find find the right person there's no doubt about that but the only concern I have is that he's got to do it in a shorter period of time I mean after all uh, we're kicking off spring training we've got almost a week of training in the books and uh, we want to move forward with not only the recruitment a wide receivers coach can bring but also the the talent that we can add to our up-and-coming wide receivers Speaking of which, we will be uh, returning to our spring training positional groups uh, in the days and weeks to come. I'm thinking that our weekend Pac-12 tournament coverage might be bookended or at least accompanied by continued uh, positional reviews. If you remember a few episodes back, I like to introduce all the incoming class uh, during spring training and get kind of a foundation of basics with you know, height, weight, uh, where they went to school, There's watch some of their high school tape. And then as we get to know these kids throughout the process and as they grow up on the team, uh, we can always refer back to this foundation and be much more well-informed as, as a result. On the show last time, we talked about Amika Egbuka, the top wide receiver prospect in the nation, paying a visit to Oregon over the weekend. Also over the weekend were a couple of other Really noteworthy visits. Uh, four-star linebacker who's already pledged to Oregon. He uh, played in this tournament we talked about last time over the weekend and uh, got a chance to visit Oregon as a peer recruiter, accompanying the prospects and new recruits on their tour of campus. The number four tight end prospect in the nation, Moliki Mataveo, also visited uh, Oregon this weekend and had a chance to tour the facilities and meet with coaches. Uh, I think the tight end position is a really interesting one. I think that uh, Jacob Breland was an outstanding uh, uh, tight end, and I'm sure he's going to be drafted into the NFL. With Cam McCormick having the injury history that he does, I think that a very solid uh, plan for addressing the tight end is going to be important going forward. I'm very excited about Hunter Campmoyer. We talked about these these kids on... A previous podcast when we talked about the tight end, introducing people to the tight end position grouping, and we're going to actually wrap up that segment uh, in, an, in another podcast, but I think it's important that Oregon be looking at up-and-coming tight ends to round out the position, if not get an elite tight end in that spot. We're going to take another quick break, and when we come back, we're going to preview some men's basketball for the upcoming Pac-12 tournament. Welcome back to Locked on Ducks. I'm your host, Jordan Long, and we've been talking about some coaching changes and some positional needs uh, uh, regarding football spring training. We also did a a historical counterfactual. What if Joe Burrow had played for Oregon and Justin Herbert had played for LSU? But now I want to get into some men's basketball. Peyton Pritchard was named Pac-12 Player of the Year, and I'm not sure there's a huge surprise there, but he just got better and played stronger going down the stretch. 
John Rothstein on Twitter, he said, he put up this stat, four players in the Pac-12 history have led the league in scoring and assists. So they are Gary Payton, who graduated from OSU in 1990, was the second or, second overall pick to the Seattle Supersonics. Damon Stoudemire, who went to Wilson High School, actually, he ended up at Arizona, and he was picked seventh overall in 1995 to the Raptors. And Jason Terry, who was born in Seattle, also went to Arizona and drafted 10th overall by the Atlanta Hawks in 1999. And, of course, ours truly, Peyton Pritchard. They were all consensus All-Americans. And I want to take just a second to listen to Peyton Pritchard's reaction when asked on the Pac-12 Network TV about getting this you know, Pac-12 Player of the Year accolade. Uh, I mean, it means a lot. I mean, this is this is all my hard work um, paying off and having a great season this year with my team and uh, for, for me to win the Player of the Year and uh, our team to win Pac-12 regular season means means a tremendous amount. Yeah, definitely. I just wanted to be consistent through a whole year and um, really knowing this is my last year, go at it every game and uh, and really not take a, take a minute off of each game. And that was Peyton Pritchard via the Pac-12 Network. Thank you to them for that audio. Uh, I think this is a really interesting conversation that Peyton Pritchard's overall performance and play in college has not been that different than GP, Stoudemire, Jason Terry, but we're gonna we're seeing Peyton projected to go in the middle of the second round, and even as the the ninth best point guard in the draft right now. Now, I think personally a lot of that has to do with uh, the fact that the point guard position isn't as valued as it was in the 90s, that now really the athleticism of bigs in the NBA as well as LeBron James kind of redefining the forward position uh, just really place an emphasis on those positions instead of what used to be these these extremely athletic and talented point guards. I will say also that the likes of David Stoudemire and, and Gary Payton are just defensive monsters, and that's one area I think that separates good from great when it comes to guards is their defensive performance, and I think that Peyton Pritchard is really going to have to put that on display in these next couple of weeks, uh, next several weeks hopefully, uh, if he wants to improve his draft, draft stock. I do think, and I'm making the prediction here, that if he can take the Ducks at least to the Elite Eight, then he could very well win the Wooden Award. And we'd see his draft stock soar quite a bit as a result of that. And so having beaten Stanford, that is a Quadrant One win that this Oregon team really needs to improve its uh, stock in the NCAA tournament. We did do a show on net rankings and quadrant assignments, so I encourage you to check that out. Oh, incidentally, there was a, an incident where I lost all of the content when we had about 10 episodes or 8 episodes up. So I've been adding those in a couple at a, at a time. So you may see come across your podcast player an episode with an older number on it, like number one through six, I think I still have to post. And I may drop those during the weekends, but those are some of those foundational episodes where we talk about, 
you know, what net rankings and, uh, and how the seating works and how the bracketing works. So you want to be able to refer to those instead of having to do the whole episode on it again. But anyway, the win against Stanford adds to the list of quadrant one wins for that Oregon has. And they're only one of eight teams that have eight or more Q1 wins. And as a result, are looking at at least the number 16 seed in the NCAA tournament. This is a very different picture than we had a year ago. Super excited to be entering the tournament on these terms. They could already be guaranteed that number 16 ranking simply because uh, of the the final seeding that happens due to winning tournament titles. Uh, the first 32 teams to get seeded are automatically in if they win their conference championships. And um, I think the 16 ranking is going to put Oregon in the number four seed line, which is great news. Final seeding and bracket assignments are going to be done on the Sunday selection show, uh, March 15th at 6 PM. And that's East coast time on CBS. So I, I'm going to watch that and I'll do a little report on the seeding and we'll kick off our NCAA tournament coverage with that. The first round of the PAC 12 tournament is played uh, today at noon and then the second game is at 2.30 and Oregon is going to play the winner actually of Utah versus Oregon State and Oregon's going to play on Friday because they're the number one seed they have the first round by which is not playing today Wednesday the winner of that game is going to play the winner of USC versus the winner of University of Washington Arizona so do we want to play Utah or Oregon State Personally, I like Utah as the better matchup. We're 2-0 against him this year and 24-10 all-time in the series against Utah. We've pretty much had their number. And Utah is pretty inconsistent. Not streaky, they just have an imbalanced level of play. And I think Oregon's balanced play on both ends of the court really match up well against Utah. Oregon State tends to play us a lot harder. We are 1-1 against them this year, and we talked about the history of our matchups with Oregon State uh, on a previous podcast. I think Oregon State would be looking to really upset the Ducks. And I like, I kind of think of it as the best worst team in the Pac 12 by, with the fact that they're continuously beating some of the top tier teams. And, you know, only, their only wins are coming off of beating the Oregons and Arizonas. But when it comes down to University of Washington or Arizona, who's going to play USC on Friday, and so we'd play the winner of, of that game. Obviously, I want uh, UW as the worst of those three teams. Uh, USC was able to squeak into uh, a first-round bye, and I would uh, I hope that they beat Arizona because I think Arizona's the toughest team that we could face. But that's going to do it for now. We will be updating you as the tournament goes along. Uh, going to be watching the games today. As for coronavirus update, very interesting news just broke. And it looks like the Ivy League will be canceling their tournament due to coronavirus. I think, you know, they could play to a either limited or no audience or no a zero attendance games and still play. Uh, LeBron James has come out and said that he wouldn't play if they if if there were no audience to play for it. Now, I'll hold off my opinion on that. I'd like to hear your opinion on all this stuff, actually, uh, using the hashtags AskLodPod. That's hashtag AskLodPod. But the coronavirus won't be impacting Locked On and your ability to listen to 
coverage of, of Oregon sports. I will be uh, keeping you updated on whether or not tournaments are affected or how they're affected by this. I don't think it's anything to worry about right now. We got a lot of good coverage coming, and so I'm excited to be bringing it to you. And if it turns out that they do limit audiences or have zero attendance, then I'll be working overtime to make sure that we bring you the best coverage we can uh, of those games if uh, people are unable to attend them. Uh, Now, I do want to close out the show. This has been Locked on Ducks. My name is Jordan Long, your host. You can always find me on Twitter at TheDustOffGuy. And you can find the show on Twitter at LockedOnDucks. And please send in questions or comments with the hashtag AskLodPod. That's hashtags AskLodPod. I really enjoy interacting with the audience. I see it as an opportunity to make the podcast more about the listener and have opportunities to have a lot of fun together. Uh, I like to think of it as a people's podcast. So please click subscribe or follow on whatever podcast player you're listening to. By the way, when I post the uh, a link to the show on Twitter, it's with Linktree, which gives all, uh, links to all of the different podcast players. If you don't see your podcast player on there, go ahead and let me know with hashtags AskLodPod. You can also search for Jordan Long on Facebook, and you, there's no mistaking me. I have the Locked on Ducks logo for my picture. If Facebook is your preferred method of connecting with the show, always open to that as well. I do love player participation, right? Uh, go ahead and leave five out of five stars if you're an Apple podcast user. And if you don't think I deserve five stars, well, leave five anyway and tell me why in a review and I'll go ahead and get it fixed for you. Uh, that's my aim, right? So thank you for joining me. This has been Locked on Ducks. And I do want you to tell your device, your Alexa or Google, hey, Google, hey, Alexa, play Locked on Draft Dudes. Draft Dudes is a Locked On Podcast Network podcast about, of course, the draft. There's, they're doing mock drafts all the time and going through possible scenarios. It's a very exciting time of year for the NFL draft. So do check out Draft Dudes, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Have a great day and go Ducks! <laughs>